John chapter 18 is where I'm going to be preaching from today. John chapter 18. Get a head start there. If you're new to the scriptures, uh, John is in the New Testament, and it's one of the four Gospels. John was uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, and we're going to read a story there around the um, around Jesus' life. Uh, we're reading uh, all around, uh, close to the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, the, the events surrounding it in this series we're doing called Seasons. And so uh, during the Lent season, we're also reading right now through the book of John. This has been incredibly powerful in my own life. I can't believe the ways God's been speaking to me through the book of John. But you can get that on our website. Um, it also is out on social media or sign up on info.com. You can get the information on that. But I just encourage you to uh, get in the Word of God. And a couple study tools to help you with that is Version and Bible Hub. Those are good apps that would help you in your time and your study with God. One of our core practices is daily devotions and getting with God. And we wanna give you the tools to help you with that on our website. We have tons of tools to help you with that um, part of it. Also encourage you to take notes. I see a lot of you take notes. When you take notes, even if you're faking it, I mean, even if you're writing down your grocery list, oh, it fires me up. You might be just, oh, that's right. I gotta stop by Walmart after church and I gotta pick up some chips for that dish I'm making. And when you do that, I just go, oh, yeah, woo, I got one. It's like fishing. Anybody fish? How many fish? You know, it's like, it's like fishing. You know, that's how a pastor does. Pastor's fishing, fishing through the crowd, looking to see who's engaging. And when you don't engage and you're not looking at me, I just look away from me. I just go, whatever, okay, I got to find somebody. Somebody who thinks I'm funny. I got to find somebody who thinks I'm <laughs> But uh, I, I encourage you to take notes in your seat back is some uh, message notes. I, I was... So moved this past week. Um, a lot of you know Terry and Mary Snelling. Terry uh, lost his mom just recently, and the funeral was this week, and, and we're praying for you, Terry. And um, I'm so still broken over that for you to lose your mom. But he sent me this picture here of his mom's sermon notes from Core Church. How awesome is that? So he's like 80 years old. You'd think she didn't have to take notes for nothing. But I love this since she, she was obviously here during our Keep Moving series. I love that. Keep moving. Get ready. God is good. Oh, I don't preach right there. I should just preach that today right there. I should just preach. That's a three-part series waiting to happen right there. Come on. Turn to somebody. Tell them, keep moving. Get ready. God is good. Keep moving. Get ready. God is good. I like that. I like that a lot. So this series that we're in is called Seasons. And God is going to take you through seasons. Life happens in seasons. They all happen in the, in the same order. And it's important to know what season you're in. Because if you don't know what season you're in, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get all turned around. And you're going to think God's supposed to be doing something that he's not going to do in that season. And you're like, God, I need you to do this. And he's like, well, I would, but that's not the season you're in. So you're, you're praying all these prayers, begging all these things, and God's like, that's not the season you're in. It's important to know the season you're in. And last week we talked about the summer season, and we talked about how you can be in more than one season at a time. Like you can be in, in summer in, your, in a relationship, but you can be in a fall season in your finances. And so today we're going to talk about this, this fall season. And what do you do when, when the beauty begins to fade? What do you do when the beauty begins to fade? John chapter 18, Jesus has just had his final meal with his disciples. And in verse one, 
and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, says this, after saying these things, he had a long conversation with them that is really worth your reading. We're gonna get to that in our Lent reading in the next couple weeks. Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples. He entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer, that was one of your new to scripture, that was one of his disciples, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. Leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived in the olive grove. That's not intimidating at all, is it? No. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he said. And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. He said, I am he. And uh, and Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and they fell to the ground. That's the power of our God on display right there. He just said his name and poof, everybody goes down. Slain in the spirit right here in the scriptures. So once more, he said, I'm sorry, who are you looking for? And again, they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. I told you, I told you, I, I'm he. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. And he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those who you've given me. And then Simon Peter drew a sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given to me? So we're gonna talk about the fall season. What do you do when the beauty begins to fade. Father, thank you that you're here with us today, that you're going to help us. You're speaking to us. We're so grateful for your presence today. I don't know what you need today, church, but this is your moment just to say, okay, God, I'm going to push that grocery list aside for a moment. I'm, I'm going to push my social media feed aside for a moment. I'm going to push the cares and the concerns and the struggles that I brought into this place aside because I need you to break through all of that. If you just pray that simple prayer, he's going to speak to you today in a way that is going to radically transform you. And I believe that in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. It is final four weekend. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, it's okay, people. Um, I, I, you're all looking at me like, wait, what? I had, I had no idea. It was funny as when, when I said that there was, I won't point her out, but there was somebody over here, a lady who was like, oh my goodness, is the bachelor on this weekend? Is it the final four for the bachelor? I didn't know that. I hope Connor gets the rose. I hope. No, it's not, it's not, not the bachelor's basketball people. The final four. I mean, you know, and, and tomorrow night is the championship game. And I, I, I live for this. This is, this is my time. This is my season. Uh, there's, you know, that's one of the seasons that, that God takes you through, by the way. He takes you through winter, spring, summer, fall, and March Madness. There are five, five seasons. Uh, but I, I love March Madness. I live for college basketball. I breathe college basketball. I follow college basketball. And I was so confident in my bracket this year. I had studied it, I had followed the teams, I knew the players, I knew the winning percentages, I knew who was on a roll, who wasn't, I even knew some of the injuries. Y'all like, this guy needs some help, he needs to study for a sermon a little more than he studies his bracket. <laughs> but I do, I, I, I study it, and the very first weekend, boom, bracket busted. 
I, and, and I was so frustrated. I was like, this is, how could this happen? Because I, I had worked so hard on this. And then I, but the thing was, I still had a lot of teams still left in the fight. And I thought, I still got a chance. I still got a chance. And the next weekend rolled around, boom, more teams going out, boom, more teams going out. And this is the worst I have ever done in the history of brackets. I checked it last night after the final four, and this is my bracket right now. I'm in 24th place. What happened? I'm losing to the number one and number two who don't even watch basketball. <laughs> Kiefer Duntley, he's 15. I've been watching March Madness for 30 years, longer than he's been alive. Logan Troxel, he's back in the booth. I, oh, don't clap for him. <laughs> Knows nothing about basketball. I asked him this morning, how did you pick your bracket? And I quote, he said, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." Oh, and some of you are like, well, look at Amy. She's in third. She's doing good. Amy Malenik, she sings up here. The only reason she's in third is because she's a crazy Jayhawk fan. Okay, I have preached up here for many, many years. I have never heard her get filled with the Spirit like that. I think this is what a fall season is like in our lives. Have you ever... Um, have you ever been like, uh, just felt really good about something only to see it suddenly turn on you? You know, where you're, 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 you're praying for something to happen and you kind of got a promise that you're holding on to, but, it, but it's, it's, it's not going in the upward, it's going this way and you're like, ah, but you're like, I'm gonna keep praying I'm going to keep trusting, I'm going to keep believing, but it just keeps ticking down and keeps getting worse. That, that's what a fall season is. It's, it's like the leaves in fall. You see the leaves and, you know, in the fall, they're just beautiful. They're like reds and yellows and oranges, and then they turn to brown, and they start dying. And there's nothing you can do that will turn that around. Some of you are in a fall season. Most of us are probably in a fall season in some part of our life right now that you're praying, you're believing, you're trusting, but it is not happening. It just is getting worse and not better. So what do you, what do, you do when, the, when the beauty begins to fade so many people fade with the fall. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't fade with the fall. Don't, don't fade with the fall. This is, this is when so many people do. And I think this is where we find Jesus in, in John chapter 18. John 18, let's go back to it, because every, everything's going great, and then, then, and then it's not. Look at verse one. Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and he entered a grove of olive trees. Now, if you are new to the scriptures and new to church, you may not realize this is the Garden of Gethsemane. This is, this is a beautiful place. 
The disciples were excited about going to the garden because when they would go to the garden, often Jesus would teach them there. They would hang out together. They would pray together. Uh, they, they would just um, be friends and enjoy their company and being in the presence of Jesus. And, and it was such a joyful, good place for them. But Jesus knew where he was leading them. Like Jesus knew this night it was going to be different. This night there was trouble coming. And what's crazy is Jesus could have not gone. Or he could have left the disciples behind. There's a good idea. I mean, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be martyred. Don't need to put this on them. But what does he do? He leads the disciples right into the middle of it. I can tell you as a follower of Jesus, I ain't looking for Jesus to lead me right into the middle of trouble. I'm trying to avoid it. I, I, I want Jesus to be Google Maps for me. You know, you're using Google Maps and you got your route and you're looking and all of a sudden, red. You know, when you see the red, you're like, oh no, this is not happening to me. Alternate route, alternate route, alternate, show me an alternate route. That's how I, I am with Jesus. You got, I need you to show me an alternate route because I, I don't want to go through that. In fact, I, I kind of want you to handle that for me. It's, it's like when our, our kids were little and I would come home and Laura would meet me at the door with that mom look like, mm-hmm, your kids. <laughs> Suddenly they're my kids. She'd go, I need you to handle that. Anybody, anybody live that? And when she was saying, I need you to handle that, what she was saying is, you are going alone, my friend. I am not going with you. You go, you go take care of those children. That's, that's how I am. That's how I am with God. I don't want to be led right into trouble. I need, God, I need you to handle that. But, but that's not how God works. If you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you know that's not how it works. God, like we see here in this story, he, he leads us into suffering. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. So let me get this straight. So Jesus led me into divorce. Uh, Jesus uh, led me into that abuse. Oh, Jesus, Jesus led me into cancer. I think suffering is one of the most difficult things to try to understand in this life. Now, let me say this. I don't believe that God causes divorce. I don't believe that God is somehow the author of abuse. I don't believe that God has somehow stricken you with cancer. To me, that's a sick and sadistic God. That's not the loving God that I, that's not the God that I want to follow. And that's not what I'm, and, and that's not who he is. He is a loving, caring, compassionate God. Turn to somebody and just tell them, God cares about you. God cares about you. Okay, so why do we suffer? Why, why do we have so much pain in our lives? Why would God allow it? The truth is, what, what we want 
is the cute answer tied up with a bow that we can put on a calendar. You know what I'm talking about? The one that, that you see and it's got like the mountainscape and it's got like the, the, the lake, the blue lake, and it's got the swishy little scripture that says, say to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea and it will be done for you. <laughs> and, and, and you get the calendar, you're like, yeah, until you're staring down the mountain and then the calendar becomes a dartboard. <laughs> uh, yeah, woo, woo. I mean... So, so, so why does God allow suffering? The truth is, I don't know. I, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the reasons. But I do know this. Here's one thing I do no, and I'd like for you to write this down. God goes before me in the fall season. God goes before me in the fall season. Like when, when this mob shows up and, and, and they arrest Jesus, this is like a Quentin Tarantino movie, okay? I mean, they, they got like, they got uh, uh, swords, they got lanterns, they got sawed off shotguns. Judas is rolling up with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, whoa, gonna get you, gonna get you. I, I don't know that movie. I just seen clips. I don't know that. That's a bad movie. Is this the kind of church you go to? You, what church did you bring me to? He's quoting Quentin Tarantino. I'd be quoting Jesus today. What is this? Where was I? <laughs> I just got a picture of Judas rolling up with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> all right, so verse 4. So they, they, they show up, and it says in verse 4, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he what? Stay with me. He what? He stepped forward. He stepped forward to meet them. In other words, Jesus saw the mob approaching and he stepped out in front of the disciples. Oh, that's good news right there because that is who Jesus is. Jesus sees the fall season that is approaching in your life that you are in and he steps out in front of you. And he says, let me guide you. Let, let me be your fortress. Let me be your strength. In, in me, you can find the power and the strength to make it through this if you just follow after me. I, I like how the psalmist said in Psalm 18, he said, he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my savior, he's my shield, he's my place of safety. He is the power that saves. This is who our God is. When you go into a fall season, he is your defender. He is your shield, and he is your fortress and your protection. He says, hey, follow me. This is who Jesus is. But how many times do we get impatient and step out in front of Jesus? I just, I, get, I, 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 can't, I can't wait. I, I, gotta, I need you to do something. This is what Peter did. Look again in verse, verse 10. It says, Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus. Can you imagine that moment? Peter, Peter, I don't know, what is he thinking? He's like this. He's like, what? I mean, what are you doing? He's like looking at Jesus. Oh, yo, I got this. Yo, I got this. I got this. Jesus. 
Jesus, he's looking at Jesus, son of God. Like the guy who raised people from the dead, gave sight back to the blind, all these things. And he's like, I got this. Swack. I just see Jesus in that moment going, Reaches down, picks it up, <laughs> blows it off. Five second rule. <laughs> Come on, Pete. It just makes a mess of it. This is. That's me. Every time. I get really impatient during the fall season. I, I get tired of it going in the wrong direction, and so I'm going to step out, and I'm going to make something happen. Whack, whack, whack. And then here comes God behind me with the broom and the dustpan sweeping up my mess. I got it, Brad. I mean, just, I, I just make a mess of things, and then he's got to come in behind me, and he's got he's to clean it all up. Look what he says in verse 11. He said, put your sword back into its sheath. Turn to somebody and tell them, put your sword away. Put your sword away. What are you doing in your own power to try and stop the fall season? What if you, what if you step back? What if you step back and you said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust that, that God goes before me in the fall season? So when these soldiers, they, they entered the garden, they, they asked for Jesus. And in verse 6, it says, Jesus said this, say it with me, I am he. And they, they all drew back and they what? Say it with me. They fell to the ground. So when Jesus says, I am, the priest and the elders and the temple guard knew exactly what he was saying in that moment. What Jesus was saying was not just identifying like, yo, I'm the guy. No, what he was saying is, yo, I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior that y'all been looking for. I'm the savior that all the prophets have talked about. I am. Because when they heard Jesus say that statement, I am, he was saying, I am God. Because they remembered, and you may be new to the scriptures and you may not know this story, but they remembered how God spoke to Moses on that mountain. And they remember when Moses and the children of uh, the, the Israelites, they were all in bondage and slavery in Egypt and they had no way out. God went and found a man on the backside of a mountain hiding out and said, I tap you and you are going to be the one that is going to represent me to the people. And that was in that burning bush and in that burning bush. And Moses is freaking out. I can't go and leave these people. I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, uh -huh. okay, so God says, I'm going to go with you. And he says, that's great. But who do I tell them you are? And God said to Moses, tell them I am. So Moses has this promise, and then he ventures out, and then he enters into a fall season. Come on, he got a promise. I'm going to lead these people. We're going to go to freedom. We headed to the promised land. Yes, come on. And then he goes, and boom, Pharaoh says no. He's like, what? 
Well, I'll go back again. I'll go back to God. They said, no, go back again. Okay, I'll go back again. Hey, let my people go. No. Okay, all right, I'm going to go back. I'm believing for the promise. Come on, God. You say, oh, go back again. Okay, and hey, let my people go. No. He does this nine times, and finally on the 10th time is when Pharaoh relents. Oh, and he relents, and the children of Israel, they get to go free. We're headed to the promised land. Where did they go? Into the wilderness. Are you kidding me? God, do you not remember the burden bush? Hey, you're with me. I am. Do you remember all that? Anybody ever talk to God like that? Remember all the promises you told me? Mary said what you're going to do. Remember, 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 remember. Now, what are we doing out here? I ain't even close to my promised land, but when God says this, I'm going to lead you by a, a cloud by day, and I'm going to lead you by a fire by night. And he led them, and the children of Israel followed after the cloud and the fire. And the same I am who went with Moses is the same I am who goes before you. He is with you. Jesus is the great I am. He is God. He is the Messiah. There is no power or person who can stand against him. I take you back again to Psalm 18. He is my rock. He is my fortress, my savior, my shield. He's my place of safety. He is the power that saves. Now, in this moment, with a bunch of soldiers laying on the ground, Jesus could have, in that moment, destroyed them. He had that kind of power. Or, in that moment, they could have made their getaway. I mean, I just see a couple of the disciples, probably Thomas, because he's a doubter. Hey, let's not wake him up. Let's leave while they're asleep. Just step over the guy. Oh, that ear looks awful. Why did you do that, Peter? <laughs> but, but he didn't do that. Because that's not why he came. He came to suffer on our behalf. Look at verse 11. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? That's why he came. Jesus came to go before you into suffering and to carve a path that you can follow. And when, and when you keep him in front of you, and because he goes before you, it can give you the courage, and it can give you the strength, and it can give you the ability to endure and take the next step. And it's not looking good. You're going in the wrong direction, and Jesus keeps moving this way, and we need to be going this way, but you're taking me this way, and you say, okay, if you're going that way, I'm going that way with you when you keep looking over your shoulder, and we should, we should I think I want to go, but you, when you see that it's Jesus, and you know that he went before you into suffering, when you know that ultimately his suffering, it ended in a death, it ended in a winter, which we will talk about next week, but ultimately led to a spring, to a resurrection, that's what he will do. He will lead you into a death, but into a resurrection and new life if you will follow him. If you will seek after him. We're singing a song right now. I just love, it's, um, the, the lyrics just say this, that we, we don't know what to do. 
but our eyes are on you. And that song, if you don't know, it comes out of uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And King Jehoshaphat has got these three armies that have come up against the nation of Israel, and they are massive, intimidating foes. And, and he's asking God, hey, could you do something about the armies? It would be great. Could you take care of that for me that we don't have to go through that? Now, I will say praise God for the times that we don't have to go through suffering. Praise God for the times when the fall season doesn't last that long. But oftentimes, the armies come, and they did for King Jehoshaphat. They kept coming until they were completely surrounded. And it says that the king, Jehoshaphat, the king, was terrified. I, I love that because he's in charge. He's supposed to be the confident one. He's the one that they, they put up on the throne that leads his men out into battle. And he's saying, I am I'm freaking out here. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and so he's praying, and he calls all the people together, which is a great thing to do, by the way. Just call your core group together. If you're not in a core group, get in a core group. Don't do life alone. Because if you're doing life alone, the enemy will take you out. But he called all the people together, and, and he said, we, we got to pray. we got to seek God's face. And he, he encouraged the people, and then he prayed. And in that prayer, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, he said these words, We do not know what to do, but what? Say it with me. Our eyes are on you. One more time. What? Our eyes are on you. When the beauty begins to fade, and you don't know what to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Just keep following him. Let, let God go before you in that fall season. When you get distracted and you start looking around at all the things that are going wrong, shift your attention back onto him. That's what King Jehoshaphat was doing. He's looking around. Why is he saying, why would he say we don't know what to do? Because he's looking around. He's like, this is, this is not going to end well. He's, it's not that you're ignorant to the problems. It's not that you're ignorant to the setbacks. It's not that you're ignorant to the heartache and brokenness and the longing of your heart. But it's that when your eyes go there, you say, no, I'm going to shift them back to Jesus because he goes before me in the fall season and he will give me the strength to endure through it. He will give me his confidence and his peace to walk through it. I can trust 